So much of it is about the fear of making a mistake and the fear of getting it wrong. It's quite paralyzing that. And I'd like to be, I think, less scared of getting it wrong and more willing to take risks, more willing to speak up and voice an opinion without fearing that it might be wrong in some way. I think that's really holding me back. Feeling shaky after maternity or another long leave from work? Comeback Coach is the Wobbly Bottom podcast about kick-ass comebacks with coaching psychologist Jessica Chivers. She's exactly what you need when you're riding the return to work roller coaster. In this coach episode, you're going to eavesdrop on a one-time coaching conversation. Jessica also hosts shorter comeback episodes where we hear the wobbly moments and success stories from someone who's made a comeback. Hello, I'm Jessica and my guest today is Emily, a partner in a small law firm who's returned to work after her second maternity leave. She's been back six months and her confidence has taken a significant knock, not least due to returning remotely. She's really missed the sounding board type conversations she enjoyed with colleagues when she returned to work the first time. Now, we have exactly that peer-to-peer problem-solving space included in our Comeback Community Employee Experience that's used by employers such as ITV and Lily's Kitchen. And you can find out more about it at comebackcommunity.co.uk because being able to talk to people who are going through what you're going through and swap stories, share ideas, ask questions is priceless. And it's all online. It's a closed group, so it's really easy. And if you think the return to work experience could be improved in your organisation, please message me and mention Comeback Community to your HR director. Now, a quick word about our sponsor, Raiden Solicitors. They're listed in the Times Best Law Firms 2020, the top 200 law firms in the country, and they're one of very few regional firms to be included. If you're in need of family legal expertise, do visit raidensolicitors.co.uk. Now, as you're listening to Emily, if you've got a question or a worry about your return to work, please tweet me at comebackcomuk or DM me on Instagram using the same handle and I will come back to you and you can find those handles in the show notes. Now on to Emily. Emily, tell me about what's on your mind. I returned to work about six months ago and I've been struggling slightly to find my place again. It's my second maternity leave and when I came back the first time that was also quite hard and I worked hard to get myself to a good place and then went off about 15 months later having got myself to a good place and I feel as though I've lost that ground lost that confidence that I had built up and I'm slightly struggling and in your notes to me you gave some specifics about what had happened that you think contributed to that dropping confidence will you say a bit about that Yes. So I was working on a case before I went on maternity leave. There was myself, a senior partner and a kind of senior counsel person. And it was quite a kind of an awkward dynamic even then, but I'd worked hard to get it to a a good place where myself and the senior associate slash counsel would, would work together on the more trickier elements perhaps. And then when it was, you know, when it was extremely knotty, we would take it to the senior partner. In the time that I went on maternity leave, the more junior person, of course, was you know gained in seniority and was running the case effectively with the senior partner, which is to be expected. And then when I returned from maternity leave, that individual was made up. And so there was effectively three of us. 
And that's just too many in my view. And I had known that that was coming, known that that was going to be an issue and had flagged it ahead of returning to the managing partner and asked whether he, in his view, there was still a place for me on that case, whether I should just drop off it in effect. And his feeling was very much that I should remain on it. So I did. And and actually, it was very, very hard because there had been an established dynamic then for nine months and I was having to crowbar myself back in. That was very hard. And what reasons did the senior partner give for you staying on the case? He thought it was important that I remain on a like on an active case, a live case, that it's good experience. I think throughout he always thought there would be enough work for two of us and that the more senior partner ought to be the one ought to be stepping back and the two of us should be running it effectively and that there would be enough room, enough work for two. Yeah. And you said in your notes that, you know, you got to a point where you felt that you genuinely didn't know anything and things spiralled and you felt very low. And you said, although things have improved now, you've always felt that you're the weakest link in the partner group. And I wonder what your thoughts are on what would make a positive difference to how you're feeling about that. The things that have helped in the past have been actually just doing the work rather than sitting around worrying about it, I suppose, but actually running the case, leading the, the case. One thing, when I came back, I was put on something that was, you know, we were instructed, I think, on the Thursday and, and you know, the letter before action went out on the Monday. It was a very fast-moving case, is what I'm trying to say, and it was really exciting and really empowering, actually, to be reminded that I could do it, that when I was left to my own devices, actually, I could just do it. Um, that's kind of what I think would work. That isn't always true, of course, because there are things I'm doing where I am struggling perhaps and questioning myself on. But I've always felt that that has been the piece which has moved things forward, actually, is when I'm just actually just get on with it. Hmm. And is there anything else that contributes to you feeling feeling good, feeling confident professionally? I mean, of course, there are times when I have felt good about where I am you know I did feel after having spoken to the managing partner that being reminded of all the the work I am doing and that there's a lot of opportunity you know I think one of the things that I realized recently is that I've got a a few irons in the fire and working on them is actually really exciting and that's made me feel for the first time that I actually kind of get the appeal of business development in a way because again it's very empowering it means that you're bringing value to the firm it's exciting it brings all sorts of kudos. It means you can kind of hold your head up high at meetings because you're bringing value in demonstrably. And being able to report back on things that are going well, successes, progress. I think part of the problem when you're returning from maternity leave is that everyone else has been active Mm. continuously and has so much to report. How I likened it when I first went back was it felt like everyone was traveling at 70 on, on the motorway and I'm tootling along in a country lane next to them at 20. And it's really, really hard to switch back into that very fast paced mode. Mm. I think working from home really hasn't helped. There are huge benefits to working from home. Don't get me wrong. But I think it can be quite hard to stay motivated. And you miss that collegiate discussing things with people. You know, you spend ages drafting an email, whereas in the past, you might have just had a a five, 10 minute conversation. And I think you lose so much of that collegiate bouncing ideas around. I agree. It's been really difficult for lots of people who've been working remotely, but especially those who are joining new to a team or an organisation or those coming back from a period of leave. It's been really tricky. How about you tell me if I was to wave a magic wand 
and make everything as you would like it to be in terms of this confidence piece. What would we see you doing, hear you doing? How would things be if you had the confidence that you're seeking now? Well, this was one of the things that came up for me when I was replying to the questionnaire that you had sent me. And this is something I've been thinking about for a while now, that so much of it is about the fear of making a mistake and the fear of getting it wrong. It's quite paralyzing that. And I'd like to be, I think, less scared of getting it wrong and more willing to take risks, more willing to speak up and voice an opinion without fearing that it might be wrong in some way. I think that's really holding me back. What, in your view, would facilitate you being willing to take more risks, being willing to speak up? What would help you to do those things? When you're already doubting yourself and you're worried that you often get things wrong or that you don't know what you're doing or whatever it may be, then to take risks and to risk that still further and then to fall still further feels like quite a big risk. So I think you need to feel slash be reminded that actually you do know what you're doing, that you have earned your stripes, that you aren't there out of any other reason other than you deserve to be, and that actually other people get things wrong all the time and nobody really bats an eyelid, neither the person in question nor other people around them. I have been trying to remind myself of that and to notice it when it happens, not out of spite or meanness, but just to say, well, they got it wrong and they really didn't look like they cared. You're so right. You're so right. How can we get more of that going then? Because you've talked about reminding yourself that you have earned your stripes. So let's take that as the first thing. What would it take for you to have those thoughts top of mind more often? That you have earned your stripes, that you do know what you're doing? Is that a post-it note on your desk? Is that living a daily mantra around telling yourself that? You know, what would help you to keep that top of mind? When I look back at the things I've done, I have slightly forgotten some of them. And they feel like a long time ago, perhaps now, somewhere there'd be near my workspace a list of those things that I have done to remind myself of them. I wonder if you might be up for doing a little bit of that now then, because I think if we can bring up some of your peak professional experiences so that they're sitting front of mind and maybe maybe you make some notes, maybe this is something that you do a bit more thinking around. But If I were to say to you that I'd spoken to the managing partner and she or he had said to me, oh my goodness, Emily is such an asset to the firm and, you know, we would be lost without her. And Jessica, let let me just tell you about five things that Emily has delivered over the last couple of years that really mark her out. What five things do you think the managing partner would tell me about? Well, I worked on one long case for a long time and I eventually helped that to settle. There's two linked cases, if you like. And the nature of the work that we do is that actually you can end up being on one big case for quite a long time without wanting to sound horribly self-deprecating. I might actually struggle to come up with five off the top of my head because I worked on that for so long and it was so major But that definitely would be one of the key ones, I think. And I helped run that team. I was probably at my happiest actually running that team. It was a great case. And I felt very supported on that. Before I was put on that case, I was on another case that, again, I helped settle and reached a good conclusion for the clients and for the firm. Both of those resulted in a really good outcome for the firm. And again, that was quite long running, that one. 
And you said you didn't think you'd come up with five things just due to the nature of the work that you do and the intensity and the timelines of the projects. So if we take that long case that you spoke about first, where you said I was at my happiest running that case, what particular skills or attributes contributed to your success on that case? So again, let's imagine that I'm in conversation with the managing partner and the managing partner then says, you know, and I think the skills that Emily had or the attributes that she has that really helped in that case were, tell me some of the things that you think she or he would say. Well, I feel like I knew the case back to front. I've been living and breathing it for so long at that point, and it had quite a few different heads to it. We were bringing proceedings in a number of different fora, and they were at different stages, and there were appeals, and the pleadings had necessarily changed along the way, and I had really good relationships with all the clients. They were a great client group. So yeah, I built up really good relationships with them, which was quite satisfying, and I was quite organised. I feel like I ran the team really well. And we had a really good spirit in the team as well. I feel like we all worked really great, really, really well together, which was really nice. And that stuff matters a lot to me, that people management side of things. I really enjoyed it. It sounds like you did some really excellent work on that case. Yeah, it was very rewarding. You know, and sometimes when I'm working with people, they seem to forget that the things that they have done so well are not things that other people can necessarily do so well. And they think that because it has come naturally to them, and you didn't actually comment on whether those things came naturally or whether you you need to work particularly hard to cultivate those things, but especially on the team piece and that really good team spirit that you talked about, not everybody can create that. And I think those things are something that you should be really proud of. You really are the complete package in the way that you worked on that case. And is there anything that the managing partner would mark out that's different to those things about the other case that you mentioned that you were working on prior to that one? Any other skills that came into play on that? I don't know. I mean, I was a lot more junior on that one, but I think one of the things that the firm has always looked for in people is the ability to take on responsibility. Um, So even at, I suppose, a junior level when I joined that case, being happy to take that on and run with it, especially I think in small firms, I think it's, mm. it's particularly important. But I think that's what's almost interesting as I've gotten more senior, I think, because there's this doubt about whether I should have been made up or perhaps not quite whether I should have, but, you know, whether I was made up possibly slightly earlier than I would have sorted. You know, then there's always that feeling of, is the power there for the taking? I suppose it's about your remit. So that, like, there is a couple of things that I'm working on at the moment where I really want to run with them. And at the same time, I, I find myself slightly hanging back. And I know I just need to run with them because otherwise somebody else will. And I'm really excited about it. So I'm not quite sure what it is that's making me hold back. So that's quite frustrating in a way. I think I know what you're saying. I think you were questioning whether you were made up to partner too soon. And you were alluding to, is it almost my place to step in and run with things? And what might the other partners make of that I think I might have got it wrong no no almost it's just that rather than what if I get it wrong right I think yes you know so like decisions will have to be made and what if I get it wrong and I know the answer to that is well so what so what if you get it wrong like that's one micro decision amongst many but I was so long as an associate or a senior or whatever you have where you have to at least on those major things you'd be signing off on those 
and you'd be discussing them, if not signing off, perhaps it's the wrong way to put it, you'd be discussing it, right? And you'd be talking it out and saying, well, we could do it this way, or we could do it that way. And I think, again, this way of working, of being isolated, again, doesn't help where you're not in the office and you're not having those conversations. Is there anyone who you could have those with in an informal way and try and recreate the office environment at home? Ordinarily, yes. It's just calling people feels a bit more intrusive somehow than popping into someone's office used to. I mean, it's probably not true. It's just maybe how it feels. Yeah, you know, I hear a lot of that from people feeling that it almost feels too formal and then I'm going to be raising a flag in that person's mind that I don't know what I'm doing if I'm going to the effort of picking up the phone to ask them a question. Whereas if I was in the office, it might just look like, oh, well, you know, it's easy just to bob in. But I think that people are perhaps more accommodating than you might think. And I also think that returning to work in a remote environment It is taking people longer to feel comfortable and feel that they are back when they're working remotely. And I think you still have that opportunity to say, I know I've been back six months, but actually it doesn't feel that way because I haven't had the in-person connection with colleagues. Can I just use you as a sounding board and give you a buzz or drop you a voice memo or try and recreate the informal conversations that we might have been having or likely would have been having if we're in the office so I think that is open to you you know Mm. I think whenever I do reach out to people I always think I don't know why I didn't do that sooner that's what happened with the managing partner also it was absolutely a case of I don't know why I didn't do this sooner yeah you know and I think you know one of the loveliest tools that we have available to us when working remotely is the old voice memo on your phone and you can dash someone off a voice memo and simply say, I, you know, I would have popped into the office and asked you this. What do you think about this? I'm just mulling this over. If you've got just sort of 30 seconds to, you know, ping me your thoughts back, that would be brilliant. And then you're not intruding, to use the word that you used, on someone by picking up the phone to them. But you're sending them a quick thought, as you would if you were dipping in the office door, and allowing them to respond when they've got a moment. So that might be something that you, you choose to do. And to your point about... Whenever I do it, I then ask myself, why didn't I do it sooner? And so perhaps that is a mantra to keep in mind is, you know, act now. Why didn't I do it sooner? Yeah. And, and just taking you back to what you said initially, you said there are things that I need to run with, that I want to run with. And you sounded excited. And then you said, but what if I get it wrong? So what could be some of the catalyzing thoughts that will help you to start running if we know that this question about what if I get it wrong is holding you back then what could get you moving forward what could get you into motion what what thoughts well I think as I say the realization that at this stage and maybe not ever it's rare that you would be making such a big mistake that would be like disastrous it's more I think the worry that I'd be revealing that I didn't know something key I mean it's very much imposter syndrome I don't know how I've managed to get through half an hour without mentioning that Mm -hmm. in all honesty because I very much do you know relate to that and the idea that you know I'm about to be found out at any moment and some of that is holding me back so I'm you know nervous of running with it for fear of getting it wrong or not having known something which would have meant that actually an alternative course would have been obvious if I had known that etc etc And actually, on that note, you should definitely check out an early episode of the podcast 
with Caroline, who is a lawyer, and she talks about imposter syndrome. So that's a slightly different episode type, what we call a comeback episode, where somebody is talking about an aspect of returning to work and how they nailed a certain thing. And Mm. Caroline is a lawyer, or was a lawyer, I should say. She's now an author, and she's just written a book about imposter syndrome in people of colour. And uh, so really recommend going and checking out that podcast for some of Caroline's suggestions. So the deep-rooted fear then is there's a worry that I will reveal that I don't know something that I should. And so I'm going to say, and so what, in the nicest possible way? What is the implication of that then, that you reveal something that you think you should know, but that you you didn't know? So what? Well, I think that's it. I mean, in a nutshell, as I said, I see around me other people getting things wrong and not knowing things and literally or metaphorically shrugging and really not looking at all phased. And I've been in meetings where people who I had in mind, oh God, they always correct me or they always, they disagree with everything I say. I then witnessed them do that to other people. And that was quite an eye opener. I had to actually write it down that I didn't forget because it was so important as as a kind of a lesson, you know, that it's not about me. I've been trying to kind of remind myself of that. But I think in the day to day, it's very easy to get caught up and forget it all. What could help you to remember it all? I don't know. I mean, other than those you were saying before, the visual cues and the, you know, how many post-its can one have around one's laptop? (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) What would support you or what would enable those first steps when we're talking about running with the things that you've got in mind? What would help get you started? In the past, you would have had a conversation with somebody, a kind of a bouncing it round. There are no bright lines, in truth. Almost exclusively, there are no bright lines. Like there's everything is a judgment call, generally, in the law. And that's why people will be able to reach different decisions. Should I take this offer or shouldn't I? Should I accept this clause or shouldn't I? Should I push back? Should I amend it? How much should I amend it? Will I get away with it? Won't I? Is it better to just bank that? You know, yada, yada, yada. It's all judgment calls. And so there are, because there are a number of ways of skinning a cat, it doesn't mean that the one that you picked is wrong. I love that, Emily. Keep hold of that. Yeah, there are many ways to skin a cat. And just because you don't choose that one doesn't mean say you're wrong. That is the mindset, isn't it, to keep hold of many ways. Yeah, it's just trying to remember that, isn't it? Like it's your rational mind versus whatever the other piece of you is your emotions I suppose it's the battle between I'm reading too much into it or worrying about it too much like last night I took an hour almost to send what was effectively a two-line email because I started out and it was I was about to hit send and then reconsidered and then kept to reconsider I mean in fairness their email I was replying to wasn't that clear I think which wasn't helping it was very much for me the worry that I was about to get it wrong I was about to say something silly you know and so then you I go away and I end up going okay well let me just check what that case said again let me just go back and check and then I go back and check and then it's all over like an internal email that is just a two-line email and it just all feels a bit unnecessary Hmm. yeah it's challenging sometimes isn't it when you're doing all that second guessing and it's quite tiring it's very tiring. I was just about to say that. It's yeah. very tiring. And it's very energy sapping because mm. instead of spending an hour, I don't know, doing something more productive, I spent an hour. I mean, it wasn't entirely uh, like I'm exaggerating slightly because, of course, I was doing thinking about mm. how to run with this and thinking, OK, well, actually, and I was working things out. But almost the aspect, the process of working it out also, unfortunately, confirms my suspicions that, well, I actually there was more to it. I'm not saying that the person who wrote the email knew and had all that in mind, 
but it was in the process of my replying to it that I thought, oh, well, actually, no, because there's that way to do it, but there's an alternative way, which would be totally different. And it's in the process of drafting that reply that made me think, oh, how do I best phrase this that I don't get it wrong? Yeah, there's just a lot of fear, a lot of worry that I'm going to get it wrong. And I don't know how much of that is just because I've been away and it's quite major, the return to work. I definitely didn't know what I was getting into when I went off the first time. And the second time I did know, and it was still really, really, really hard. It's really challenging returning in a remote environment, Emily. That's the point I'll, I'll make again. You just haven't had the informal conversations, the picking up on things almost by osmosis. So, you know, one of the things that people gain when they're around their peers and other colleagues is you hear the language of your profession. You hear the language of other people talking about cases. You hear how people are talking about cases. You have informal discussions about things in passing and you're working in a vacuum and that's really tricky. I'm wondering, let's just imagine for a moment that you are the managing partner. Okay, so let's say to all intents and purposes, you're in charge. Let's say it's your firm how would that alter or not alter your ability to act with greater certainty and speed without all of this second guessing? Well, I mean, the other thing I realised on that note is that I've been thinking about this a lot recently and kind of the ability to ask questions is bound up in that. So the managing partner, nobody expects the managing partner to be across every detail because they physically can't be. And so it in a way gives you a bit of freedom because it gives you the freedom, don't get me wrong, they know their stuff, no two ways about it, you know, but it gives them a freedom to ask questions. And that's a great, I think, position to be in. But then I had this realisation that actually, I think that, you know, junior people should be allowed to and, and do ask questions and should be encouraged to do that. And that there's no such thing as a stupid question. And that this happened on a case recently where we were trying to file and it was all very stressful and somebody asked a question she said I'm really she sent it to me privately because she was really worried it was stupid and it really wasn't and it really ended up leading to a huge additional conversation with counsel in terms of you know the thing that she'd pointed out and trying to get it right and and it's so important that people feel able to ask questions and feel empowered to do that and I feel like I don't allow myself to do that because I'm so nervous again of getting it wrong and I don't really know how to get past that beyond learning everything there is to know about everything under the sun so that I'm not in that position and that's just not possible. I think there is an element of my feeling that there is just by necessity stuff I've missed and I can catch up but it's hard to catch up and also be going at 70 miles an hour on everything else. Mm. I think it's unfair of you to expect yourself to be at 70 miles an hour even being back in six months you haven't had the resources, you haven't had the environment around you that allows you to operate at 70 miles per hour. Everybody else transitioned away from the shared office space to working remotely without having a break in being away from the law. And so they were more easily able to operate in that environment. So the expectations that you put on your shoulders, I think, are really unfair So if we could perhaps dial that 70 miles an hour back, and if we could dial up the questions because it strikes me from listening that you know you took an hour yesterday you're thinking about all these things with this email and actually what could have gotten you to a solution more quickly might have been that a bit more comfort around picking up the phone asking a question rather than agonizing 
so much so it, it almost sounds like you mm. have a choice you have this this choice around do I want to take lots and lots of time to investigate things run the counterfactuals explore all the options before I come up with an answer or do I want to be prepared to ask a question nip the fear in the bud and get somewhere more quickly yeah it's fair I think what I probably should have done because her email actually wasn't terribly clear I wanted to respond then and there because that feeds into a whole separate thing about responding quickly and also being responding visibly so there were other people on that chain that was why it was more complicated there were four of us in the chain and so I think what I possibly could have done was simply to say should we have a quick call in the morning actually I might call you in the morning and then I could have nipped all of that in the bud because it is naughty and I was having to correct a slight misunderstanding in the email as well but without looking like I was correcting her etc 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 and I think you know, yeah, I, I was definitely overthinking it. Some of it was useful because it did prompt me to think about those alternatives. And that is all part and parcel of trying to work out how best to do this. But it, yeah, it was frustrating. I didn't need to be spending 50 minutes of my evening thinking how to phrase this email. It was just totally unnecessary. Hmm. Yeah. Hindsight is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. A wonderful thing. Well, because you also, you don't start out thinking it's going to take you an hour. You think, oh, I'll just get it right. I'll just get it right. And then before you know. <laughs> oh, no, it's a good thought. It's a good thought. So, okay, let's come back to this question then. What would help you to be more willing to run with things? And what would help you to be more willing to take a risk and to voice an opinion? Where are your thoughts now? Well, I think part of it has been that the person who emailed me last night always used to be my sounding board. We had a great relationship and it was great to be able to pop into the office and have a conversation. I did that a lot and everybody to some degree uses her as a bit of a sounding board. And so I think I'm missing that. Like I'd like to do it on my own. I think it's really important to me where I am in my career right now. Like I'm desperate to do it on my own. But I think that's also getting in my own way because it's not necessary to do it like that like to that degree I think I could still use her as a sounding board and still do it on my own and, and still run with it on my own without denying myself that sounding boredness and it's quite standard also to say at my stage of career I think to still do that because this is complicated stuff I don't feel badly about wanting or needing a sounding board I don't think I do anyway good good it's just accessing that has become harder and more fraught somehow because everything feels quite fraught at the moment. But maybe it was is just as simple as calling her and saying, I'd really, really like to run with these, but I'd really like to talk to you about it and to maybe have a, a weekly call or mm. something like that. Yeah, for sure. What would it take to put that out there then? Are you comfortable doing that or do we need to do a bit more thinking about getting you comfortable doing that? No, I think so. I mean, I've always had a good relationship in that sense. I mean, it's it was interesting, as I say, because the, the business development stuff, I didn't really know where to start with it. And now I can see that actually, if you've got stuff that's yours, it's just so empowering. And that's why it's exciting also. And that's why before I went on leave, I got to a good place because I was running that case. So to come back and not have that was doubly hard. And so these opportunities that are before me right now, I really want to run with. I don't feel funny about calling and having that conversation. I think it can be framed actually in a really positive way for both of us, actually. Great. I'm really pleased. And I'm really pleased that you've got those irons in the fire with new work. Because if we loop back to where we started and I asked you about what helps feed your confidence, 
you were able to say really quickly, leading the case, being left to my own devices. And it seems to me from what you've said that if you are winning that work, then you are going to lead on it Mm. and away you go. So tell me what you're taking away from the 40 minutes we've spent talking around what you've experienced since coming back from leave. And are there any particular things that you're going to go forward and do as a result of our conversation today? For the moment, maybe not forever, but I think certainly in the short term, I think I would probably benefit from having really obvious visual reminders around me of the things that I have done and the things I have achieved, because actually one forgets. So I think I am going to do that. And I am going to call people more. In particular, I'm going to call and, and, and have a conversation with that individual. I'm going to just set it down, I think, and say, I really want to do this. But I really, really value your input and insight. And it would be great to be able to come to you and discuss things. So I think I'm definitely going to do that. Some of it is also about taking action, which was another point I think my the managing partner was making to me the other day. I think it's, sometimes it's just about acting and moving things forward and not agonizing everything so much. I mean, I maybe I need to have a point where if I've been trying to draft an email for over a certain period of time and <laughs> haven't sent it, calling time on it rather than sending good time after bad. Oh, I love it. See, so you're allowing yourself a certain amount of time. And then once you reach that time, it's act, no more agonizing in the language of the managing partner. I actually used to have a colleague who I really miss. She moved back to New Zealand and she used to stand over me when I was spending too long agonising. She used to literally come and stand next to my chair. She'd be like, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's perfect. Just press send. And we used to laugh over it and stuff. And that's part of the being worried I'm going to get it wrong and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But yeah, she was great. So we need to find a replacement for her. (laughs) Yeah, indeed. Emily, it's been a pleasure to spend some time with you today working through the thoughts that you've had and the experience you've had. I just know that you are in really, really good company with the things that you have talked about. Returning remotely is really difficult and I hope our conversation today helps many more people who are returning to that kind of environment. So thank you for sharing your thoughts with me today. Thanks, Jessica. It's been great talking to you. As with many of the coaching conversations I've had so far for the podcast, Emily and I had more chat after the recording stopped and we chatted about tuning into your intuition and listening to your gut. And when Emily came back to work, she returned to a case that it didn't make sense for her to be a part of. And this was due to one of the other two people on it being made up to partner whilst Emily was away. Simply put, there were just too many cooks. And she flagged this with the equity partner on the case and he insisted, no, no, we definitely want you on this and it's better that you return to a live case than work on something not yet off the ground which will become demoralising. And here's the thing, he was probably coming at this from how he himself might have felt if he were returning after a year out. And he also wanted Emily to feel included. Ultimately, though, it led to a big drop in her confidence, whereas if she'd been pursuing a new case and focused on business development, the chances are she'd have felt much more energised and confident. After all, as Emily said, her confidence is at its highest when she's leading cases. So one of the takeouts from this, whatever role you do, is that when you return to work, Contract with your line manager to have a review conversation after four to six weeks. 
This is where you can flag any issues, suggest and discuss adjustments and celebrate any wins you've had. It's far easier to talk about something tricky if you've agreed at the start that you'll have this conversation. And I recommend this happens again once you've been back three months. Now, if you're prepping for any type of extended leave from work or you're away now or are still feeling that you're not quite where you want to be in your career after coming back, head to comebackcommunity.co.uk and check out the Comeback Conversations page. This is where you'll find all the details of our free monthly online problem-solving sessions. Tuesday nights, 8pm GMT for 45 minutes. Myself and a guest answer your questions on a given topic. So thank you for listening. And if you've got tips on how you've rebuilt your confidence, I'd love to know so we can share them with others on Twitter and Instagram and our newsletter. And you can tweet me at comebackcomuk and that handle is in the show notes and it's the same on Instagram. Finally, if you found this episode helpful, could you share it with someone else in a similar situation to you? I'm sure they'll thank you for it. And if you fancy leaving a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts, that will be wonderful. Until next time, stay bright. Stay bright.